Welcome to Growing a B2B SaaS. On this show, you'll get actionable and usable advice. You'll hear about all aspects of growing a business to a business software company. Customer success, sales, funding, bootstrapping, exits, scaling, everything you need to know about growing a startup. And you'll get it from someone who's going through the same journey. Now your host, Joran Hoffman. Welcome back to another episode on the Grow Your B2B SaaS podcast. In this podcast, we'll discuss all topics related to growing your SaaS, no matter in which stage you're in. A long-term organic growth strategy is to produce content. Producing a lot of content doesn't always mean that it will convert into signups and paid clients after. Today, we're going to talk about how to create a B2B SaaS content strategy that drives signups. We're going to do this with John Oz. He's the co-founder of Datapad, an advisor to other startups, exited one company and invested as a hobby in a couple of startups, as he doesn't like to call himself an angel investor. When his own startup still was in pre-seed modus, he was able to drive 500 signups using content in under three months. I know this is going to be great learning for a lot of start- startups, considering he did it with a new domain without link building and no promotion. He even stopped investing in SEO right now as they're still onboarding new clients manually and he can't handle the volume yet. Today, you will be sharing his tips and tricks so you can do the same. So without further ado, welcome to the show, John. Thanks, man. I'm happy to be here and have a conversation with you today. For a great intro, I love it that you didn't call me angel investor because like, I don't call myself that is I'm more like a baby investor, not an angel investor. Nice. I always like to ask this question, especially for the people who weren't convinced after this intro. Can you explain in your own words why people should listen to you today? I've been in the startup game for a very long time, especially in the early stage startups. You know, if you go over to my LinkedIn profile, you see like there are a lot of case studies that unlike other people, I wouldn't mind sharing more details if you DM me and ask me the details and we can have a conversation. And all those case studies is actually what differentiates me from the other leaders, I guess. Like I like being technical. I don't hire a big team and tell them to go and do this thing. I like being hands-on and going into the details. So uh, everything that I'm going to share is based on what I actually do, apart from the writing. So I would say like, this is one of the reasons why you should listen to me. And I also scale several startups from zero to one. I wouldn't be able to do it if, I guess, if I don't know what I'm doing. Exactly. Nice. We're going to we're gonna talk about, of course, producing content today. I guess maybe to start with the really basics. What do you consider content? For me, content is, you know, what most people consider, first of all, let me start with that. What most people consider content these days is just like SEO, right? People say SEO is a content. SEO is not a content. It's a distribution channel. For me, content is like, it could be anything, right? Even your internal SOPs could be content, right? Your email conversation with your colleague could be content, right? Anything that, that is provided from you and it provides value to the end user could be content, right? It's not just the SEO. That's, that's how I see the content. Nice. And then maybe one thing before we really dive in, like, what do you think is the biggest difference in your opinion between writing content versus writing content to generate signups? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, especially with the rise of an AI. Right? A lot of people are having a conversation around, you know, is AI is going to replace the human writers and all that stuff. I'll tell you this. I have seen bad content can rank. It can rank number one, it can rank number two, but bad content won't convert. Right. So if you're just writing content for the sake of ranking, you might get lucky and you you might rank. But remember that there is someone else reading that content, right? So if your content is going to convert, first of all, you need to identify who you're writing for. And then you need to know the expertise level of that person. You need to understand their problems, why they're reading it, what is this 
search into them with a triangle tri achieve and then write that content for them so that they feel that, okay, this content is written for me. And this is exactly for my problem. And I see that these companies, you know, solving my problem, I could go and give them a go. Versus like when you just write a content for the sake of ranking, you will rank, I'll read it. Like people usually smell that it's a bad content from an intro and you'll lose my interest. Like I'll bounce. I think that's that's the key differentiation. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. And I think one one thing you mentioned as even now with OpenAI, it is indeed a, a really easy to start producing content. Like before writing any content, whether you, how you're going to do it, what in your opinion should be in place before you even start producing content? Mm -hmm. So before I write my content, obviously like I do a very detailed content brief, but even let's go before that, right? So first of all, you need to do your customer. You need to do your customer. You need to talk with your customers. And I use like jobs to be done methodology. You need to do your customer interview so that you understand the problem of your audience, the, the current solution that they're using, the desire, how their life is better after using your tool. You need to understand all these things and then turn that into a brief as well. So if you don't understand who you're writing for, then you lose people, right? I'll just give you one simple example. It's going to make sense. So let's say that you're, you're writing a content and you have a tool and that tool helps with increasing conversion rate optimization. Okay. And your audience are the senior CRO people, right? So you're writing an article and it's like 10 best tips on converting better. Right. And then the first thing that you see on the article is what is CRO? And the article title is like 10 best tips for increasing your conversion rate. And if you started with something like what is CRO and I am a senior CRO person and I'll read that article and I'll be like, this is under my expertise level. And I'll just understand that this is written just for the sake of ranking. You don't, you're writing under the expertise level of your audience. So it's important, like before you write any content, you know everything about your audience, right? And that's a must. And that's the step that many people skip. Yeah, and I think this definitely comes to uh, another podcast we recorded as in get your ideal customer profile in order because in the end, if people do actually read the content, they click on the link, it doesn't mean they're going to convert because they're probably not going to be the right match for you. Yeah, exactly. You can lose them from the first paragraph. As I said, like if you write over the expertise level of your audience, you might lose them too. If you write below the expertise level of your audience, you'll still lose them. So the best way to do this, like match their expertise level, match their search intent. You can't do that if you don't know your customers. Exactly. So this is, I guess, like already one part of the process you need to figure out before writing content, right? To to really drive mm -hmm. signups. Would you have any, any other processes, strategies like you definitely use when you are writing content uh, to generate signups? Yeah. So I'm just focusing on the generating signup part of the things, right? Um, not, not, on, not on the ranking side, but the thing is, there's this thing called product-led content marketing. It's basically you're writing around the topics that have a high business relevancy for you. What is high business relevance? It means that if you're writing about the topic where you're the ultimate solution for that problem, there, there's no way why you should not mention your product there as an ultimate solution. What most people will do, let's say that you have a software about reducing churn, okay? And you have this article, how to reduce churn for a SaaS business. Well, your, your solution is the ultimate thing, ultimate solution for, for your customers, right? And if you go and do like, you give them some generalized tips, you know, 10 ways of reducing it. And at the end, you just have a call to action and say, hey, use XYZ tool. It's great for reducing churn. Well, you're not doing a product-led content marketing. How your readers will know that your tool is the ultimate solution. So the best way of doing this thing is instead of giving generalized advice, you 
go and explain people how you can solve that problem for them step by step. Use interactive demos, use screenshots there and there so that they're like, oh my God, I understand there's a solution there and this solution could help me out. This is not salesy. Most people call this salesy. Like I do a lot of advisory and when I mention this thing, people say, oh, this is salesy. No, this is not salesy. There's nothing wrong with helping your readers. And I think like that is very important when it comes to creating content that is, that is going to generate signups for you. Yeah, and I, I can definitely relate to this because we have been producing a lot of content and we wanted to make it less salesy, uh, as you would call it. But in yeah. the end, we're not actually selling our product. So we are going to make some changes there as well to also, of course, embed what we actually can do for them. Yeah. And also, like, if you want a great example, like, I think the best blog about this, like, product like content marketing is definitely Ahrefs. So I would urge everyone to check Ahrefs. They, they have great examples. And one new trend out there is, is trying an interactive demo. I'm going to be experimenting with this as well. So let's say that we're doing a how-to related article and you want to show people how they can solve the product, uh, sorry, how they can solve the problem with your product in five steps. In the old ways, what is reach out or video there? But now there are interactive demos, right? So you can, you can use interactive demo in each step and people can actually interact with your product and get aha much, much earlier before they sign up. I would urge you to try something similar to that as well. There are amazing tools that, that help you to do interactive demos. Nice. And and would they then embed it in their content? Basically, they would just show exactly, they would write the yeah. content and then show exactly, well, yeah, that's good. That's uh, that's one of my experiments. Uh, like I tried the interactive demos on landing pages and, and home pages. It does work well because you see like most people are allergic to look at demo stuff. So they want to understand the value of their product, value of your product before they get into any kind of engagement with you. But it's going to be my experiment to put it onto my blog post as well. Well, I'm, I'm curious to hear about those results. Um, talk I'll about, share it on LinkedIn probably. <laughs> probably. And, and this is definitely going to be my next question because about sharing results and on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. I definitely saw a couple of posts from, from you already passing by where you share a certain success about like how much signups you've been driving with content. And one thing you mentioned as in you did not actually build any links towards that content. I think mm -hmm. the main question mm -hmm. is, yeah. what is what is the reason you're not also doing link building? That's a good question. I, and I get asked this question quite a lot. People who are into link building do not hate me. Like I, I'm not saying that I'm against the link building. I have great friends who are doing link building. It's just, I don't get into that because it's not something that, it's not my expertise. And I've been doing this thing, like I've been into content marketing, SaaS content marketing for the six years and I scaled a lot of companies and I didn't build links. I'll, I'll explain why and what is my methodology, right? So I use a method called a topical authority plus content velocity, right? So in my opinion, if a topical authority is basically like in simple terms without using any technical jargon is you, you pick a topic that is closely related to your business, right? And you write everything you write, right? So again, if it was churn, if our topic, if churn, then we don't just go and write best churn, churn management software, right? We write everything about what is churn, how to reduce churn, how do you measure churn, you know, churn versus another metric. You write everything about that topic. You cover it from all angles that Google considers you as a topical authority. So when you write something next time, you rank faster, right? So you, you get the priority. That's, that's what I think. And that is the methodology that I always try to follow. So when I, you know, if I'm building a blog from scratch, right, then what I usually do is I go to Navbar and I look at the features and use cases to try to understand what are the core topics that, that I should be focusing on. And then the next thing that I do is I do my keyword research and I do my topical mapping, right? So again, if the, if the topic is churn, then I look at how many pages I need to create to cover 
or anything related to this topic, right? This gives me an idea of like, okay, well, how long it would take for me and like how much budget I need to spend for this and how, how many signups I can expect from this. And then the next part of the strategy is the content below steep part, okay? And I think this is this is big and there are like other uh, people out there who supports this. Content velocity is basically trying to publish as, as many content as possible, good content, not just content, and it helps you to rank faster. So like you have this tag, right? Total available market size. The faster you cover it, I believe that the faster you rank and Google rewards you for it. And for me, like when I start a new blog, like I would, I, I like generating like at least like 50 parts per quarter. Like if, if I have like small team, I still like to go like 50 per quarter. The faster and more content I produce, the, the higher the chance for me to rank. And you, and you mentioned 50, 50 blogs. In what kind of time frame would you push those out? Like in a quarter, right? So in my last experience, as I said, like we, we went from zero to 25K in six months. But actually we did most of the work. We did the spring. I, I like the work in sprints and just like go all in. Yep. I think we, like, I don't want to be misleading because it's been some time. We, I think we did like 64, 65 pieces in around like three and a half months. And we just published everything. And after that, we, you know, I basically sat, sat down and watched traffic grow week over work. In my view, you know, if you publish 50 pieces in a quarter, you will watch the organic growth week over week but not just any content, right? People people usually get me wrong when I say like, hey, like you got to publish a lot of articles. Let's say like you got you publish like 50 in a quarter. Then what they do is, okay, I'm going to publish 50 in a quarter, but they publish like 500 words, 600 words uh, articles just to make that number. Oh, like I published 50 and I'm not getting a result. Well, it's very hard if you're a new domain and you're trying to you know, publish a lot of content that's like 500 words. One, you're not going to serve the search. And then two is like, it's not going to be comprehensive to... To make your readers happy three years like there's this thing called an information gain score it's basically your content versus other ranking content and how you're providing more information compared to others and i think it's very hard to do that with 500 600 word articles yeah that makes sense one other question regarding like the beginning thing you said you mentioned you do the topical mapping right do you always create pillar pages for a certain topic you write about or like how, how does it work you publish these 50 pieces right where did you guide them yeah. towards did you guide them towards the homepage? the thing is let's call it like hub and spoke model right you will see like some people will do let's say again like a churn churn software right let's give an example for churn even though i have nothing to do with it i don't know it just keeps coming to my mind so let's say that you know you want to write on churn right you can have a physical silo physical silos basically you have think about it as like one landing page right and in that landing page you you're linking out to 10 you know, subcluster articles could be something like what is churn, how to measure churn, you know, how to reduce churn and all that stuff. But in that one landing page, it's like your menu, right? So you you give the chapters there, you give a little bit of information about these pages, but you don't read the whole thing there. You click and then you go to other page, right? That's building a physical silo. It works well if you have the budget, right? Because like you need to create that page, you need engineering resources and everything. But on the on the other hand, you can create a virtual silo by interlinking all your relevant content together and still get the same impact that you would you would get with the physical silo i usually go the second way because like i care about the speed like especially like because when you work with the early state startups the resources are scarce right and you want to go fast so what i do is i don't skip my internal linking i internally link all my relevant posts together and that's what i would advise to everyone most people are concerned about the external backlinks and they completely forget about the internal backlinks you're missing out on a lot if you're not doing the internal linking yeah, this is, I think, really good because it's not just... And the thing is, like, 
sorry, just the one tip. I know that all this topical clustering stuff can be confusing, but if you want to try, if you want to try something and you're like, hey, like I don't have a lot of budget and I don't have a lot of resources, but I want to create a content that is going to generate sign up for me, right? So what I would do if, if I were you is basically like I would identify the transactional term, the money page. Again, I'll give an example of a churn. So best churn management software, right? So that is your high intent transactional keyword. It's going to be a listicle where you mentioned a couple of those and you're probably going to put yourself high up there to generate signups, right? So you write this and then you're like, okay, well, how do I support this? Like, how do I build a mini cluster? around this content, right? Like, what do I need to write to support this page? So if that's the case, what you can do is basically take that page, take the URL, right? And you're using a tool like Ahrefs. You can put the URL to Ahrefs and there's a there's a section on the Ahrefs where it shows the internal links to that page, right? I will pick the number one result, put it onto Ahrefs, check all the incoming internal links to that page. That's gonna give you an idea of how your competitors build a mini cluster around that money page. So then you can you can find some content ideas and you can say, oh, maybe like I didn't write like how to reduce churn or like I didn't write how to measure churn article. And then you can go and write these things and build a cluster around the, this transactional page. Yeah, and it's it's really nice that like, if people don't do it, there's so much information in tools like HREF or, or SEMrush where you yeah. can uh, get a lot from. So don't invent the wheel. That's that's definitely for sure. Yeah. You already mentioned, I think one mistake companies are making writing these short articles to hit, I guess, like the volume. Do you have any other common mm -hmm. mistakes you see people making in their content strategy? Yeah. So with the content strategy, the one common mistake that I keep seeing over and over again is starting... I love keyword research tools, by the way. Some people get me wrong when I say this. They start the content uh, strategy with a keyword research tool and they end it there. That's not the way to do it, right? The keyword research tools are tools that is going to help you to create, help you to find some ideas. But you don't get those ideas just from the keyword research tools. You start from your customers, right? That's the most common mistake. If you just look at your competitors, how do you know that they're doing it correctly? Right? You go and copy that. How do you know that it works for them? You can't, like, you go on, you go and check with your customers. Like, what I do is, like, I at least interview, like, 10 to 12 customers, like, one-on-one, -on -one video interview like this. And I try to understand, like, how do they search? Right? How do they, if, if they found me through organic, how did you do the search? What did your journey look like? What, you know, what information you came with? What keywords you used? Sometimes I even ask them, like, if it was recent, I, I would tell them, hey, like, can you please share your screen and walk me, walk me through like how you search, how you found me, right? And then I will record it and I would see the journey there. And then I will try to be present in each, each step they took in that journey. And most people don't do this because it takes time, right? It takes time to have a conversation with 10 to 12 people and then you know, understand how do they define their problem? How do they define their desired outcome in, in, in everything? So most people skip it, but if you're going to do it, especially for early stage startup, please don't skip this. Yeah. And I, and I can imagine if you do this, you have to do it fast. So as soon as people sign up, you kind of have to reach out because otherwise they forgot how they got to you. Yeah. And the one thing that always helped me is asking this one simple question in a sign up flow, right? And there's this thing called the handshake moment. Handshake moment is when someone is like super hyped to, to give your product a try. As soon as they sign up, they're like, oh my God, yeah, I'm going to get the results. I'm ready. So that is a right time to ask them the question. And that one question should be like, what problem are you trying to solve with my tool? Or like what motivated in your life that triggered you to sign up today, right? 
even that can help with your keyword research. Why it can help is because you know, you will either know the problem that I'm trying to solve. Okay, now you can go and write the content on that problem and show like how you can solve that problem. Or you will know my desired outcome, right? Why I'm here for, again, you can go and write the content around this. So even this simple thing can help. And if you're saying that, you know, hey, John, like I don't have a lot of customers or like my customers don't want to talk to you. Well, the letter one is uh, usually an excuse, right? Because usually people are lazy to ask. Okay, well, there's an, another option, which is I actually posted this on, on my LinkedIn and got a pretty good traction is I use G2, right? I use G2, especially if you're a SaaS and I use G2 to look at my competitors. There's a section on the reviews where it says, if I'm not wrong, like, how is this product helping you to solve your problem, right? It's basically, you can get the jobs to be done of, of your prospects from there. And that could really like fuel your keyword research process because you will see like what people, why people use your competitor's tool, how they frame that problem or desired outcome, and that can help you big time. This is interesting. I'm going to do it right after this podcast. I have to I have to ask it, of course, like OpenAI, ChatGPT, it has been a big rise, of course, last month. Um, how do you look at it, like um, mm-hmm. uh, content marketing-wise, as in what is your opinion yeah. on, on, on the rise of it? I, I use it, but not for content writing. I'm using it kind of like my VA right now. It's really helping me to make some things much faster. Sometimes I'm using it to get like keyword ideas, some content ideas, but most of the times like these is I'm using it for, you know, SEO optimization, entity-based SEO optimization. I use it to, you know, find relevant entities and extract entities from the other articles and text paragraphs. But the one thing that it really helped me is like, I can do things much faster now because it feels like I basically have a VA, but I don't write content with it. I just use ChatGPT on, on my research process, right? It, it helps me to do the basic stuff much faster. I think that's definitely the way to go. Like don't have it write content for you, but make sure that it helps you to to do things faster. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it also added this fear to my life, which, but I saw that and I was like, you know, I was curious, like obviously I work with a lot of freelancers and like most of them are the freelancers that I've been working for some time, but sometimes I work with the new ones, right? And I get an article fast and I'm like, hmm, is this, a, is this an AI content or not? Well, luckily, like there are AI tool detectors out there that now I'm using it in, in my content progress, which is really helping me to sleep much better. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. One question regarding affiliate marketing, as you as you know, like right, this is an affiliate management platform. Affiliates also write a lot of content. I mean, that's what they do to produce, of course, signups towards uh, mm-hmm. the clients they recommend. Would you have any tips for them how they can write content which is gonna uh, convert into into paying clients for the SaaS companies they recommend? Yeah, well, you know, first of all, to, to generate signups, first you need to get eyeballs, right? And if you're an affiliate person, you're, you're mostly going to focus on this best XYZ tools or best XYZ tools where XYZ person or these kind of things, the commercial intent ones, just like everyone else, right? But one thing you should do is, is not to just focus on transactional page and just create it and leave it there and hope that it's going to rank. What I would do is like, I would try to create supporting pages around around that topic as well. So again, like if you're writing for best churn software, then I would go and also write like what is churn, you know, how to reduce churn, you know, how to measure churn, like all the supporting content and then link out to my transactional page. That's the best way to go. It's like try to build a topical authority around the topic that that you're trying to do affiliate. I think most people just put one content there, the transactional content, Leave it there. Maybe like they'll just like do additional one or two and just leave it there. They're not going inter- to interlink it, but I think that's not the way to go. So make sure like if you're just writing a transactional page, 
make sure that you're building a mini cluster around it so that you're supporting and showing Google that, hey, Google, like, I am trying to build an authoritarian. Yeah, and, and it's definitely going to help in many ways, not just by ranking, but also getting more companies who want to work with you and actually want you to get, yeah. get themselves listed in your articles. Cool. We're coming to the end. I always like to ask these two questions as in uh, advice per stage SaaS companies are in. So regarding uh, creating a content marketing strategy, what would advice would you give for companies just starting out and trying to grow to 10K monthly recurring revenue? 10K is rather easy. The thing is like I already gave the, the example of never skip customer research. But then the other thing is what most early stage companies do is like, I don't know if they hear it from somewhere. Maybe their buddies are talking about how to do content marketing in, in cocktail party or something like that. But it's like everyone's acting like a huge company. They start to, oh, let's do some PR. Oh, let's do some um, awareness. Oh, let's do some brand building. Okay, well, you'll do all that stuff. Good. But you only have five customers. Just like, just calm down and, and start building your funnel from bottom to top, right? So when I say bottom to top, what most companies do is I say like they start with top of the funnel. Most people think that funnel, that they look at the marketing as a funnel, which is, I don't believe that it's just like a vertical funnel like that. They see, okay, well, if I take someone from top of the funnel, I'll move them to middle of the funnel and then I'll move them to bottom of the funnel. It's easy. Like they'll, they'll just click on articles and then they'll become a customer. No, and it doesn't work, especially if you're in B2B SaaS, could take months, right? And you don't have months as an early stage startup. So what you want to do is reverse the funnel, right? So you start from the bottom of the funnel. You start writing content about people who are looking for solutions like yours, best experts of tools. Some people call this middle of the funnel. Some people call this bottom of the funnel, but I'm just going to give examples of it. So you start from you know content that you start from targeting people who are looking for a solution like yours, best tool, best uh, competitor alternatives, you know, best tool for XYZ use case or persona. And then you move your way up. Then you start writing about the jobs to be done of your audience so what is it that they want to achieve how to reduce churn okay let's write how to reduce churn and show people how to do that then at the end you come to the top of the funnel then you can do your brand building your pr activities because now you're exhausted the bottom of the funnel and you're generating signups and you made some revenue right then you can expand into other topics and build different funnels that's my number one advice if we don't count the customer research by the thanks nice Nice. And then once you pass that 10K MRR, so you're going towards uh, the next milestone, 1 million ARR, what kind of advice would you give them? They probably have a team, they have more resources. Once you pass that like a million error, by the way, you can you should still invest in middle to bottom funnel, um, even, even when you pass those levels. Is once you have like a business, right? Not a startup. Once you have a business that is generating revenue for you, you know your customers. What you need to do is, this is something that I do quite often is, I would survey my customers and try to understand like what comes after me, right? So just step back. Don't only focus on the problem that you're solving, but focus on the problem if your audience that comes after you or before you, right? So if I'm a tool that is helping you to put all your KPIs in one place and my audience, like my ICP is, uh, let's say venture capitals, right? They want to keep all their portfolio companies metrics there. And my tool is helping with that. So because I do my customer research, I know that the next problem they're trying to solve is how do I send this report to my investors? And then maybe you start building features around that and you write content around that. Don't just focus on what you're solving today. Focus on what comes after you, what comes before you as well, both in terms of features and product and also the content marketing side of things as well. Really good, really good feedback and really good insights. Uh, you shared a lot of content uh, today, shared a lot of insights today. Do you have any templates you can share with listeners who want to get mm -hmm. things kicked off? I actually recently released or I will be releasing my 
three blog post templates that, that I use most of that generate sign up for me. One is uh, jobs to be done desired outcome focused content. And the second one is uh, current solution focused content. And the third one is solution focused. So I can provide a link for the template and hopefully you get the best out of it. Your listeners get the best out of it. And, you know, always feel free to reach out to me and ask any questions about it. Yeah. And where can people reach out to you? The best place is LinkedIn. I'm trying to be active there as, as much as I can. My LinkedIn is John Ozisal. I know that it'll be hard to spell my last name for most of you, but I'm sure that you're going to put my tag there. Exactly. We're going to put the link in, in, in everything we do so uh, people okay. can find it. So they can just search for John Oz. Uh, a lot easier for us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks again for coming on the show. And thanks again for, for sharing your knowledge today, John. Thanks, Ben. I, uh, I really enjoyed it. I hope that everyone who listens to this enjoys this and, and speak to you soon. Cheers. Thanks. Cheers. You've been listening to Growing a B2B SaaS. Yoran has been ahead of customer success before founding his own startup. He's experiencing the same journey you are. We hope you've gotten some actionable advice from the show. And we hope you had fun along the way. We know we did. Make sure to like, rate, and review the podcast in the meantime. To find out more and to hook up with us on our social media sites, go to www.getreadiness.com. See you next time on Growing a B2B SaaS.